today on It's Time. And I believe that really, saints, we're going to need to rely more and more and more on the Holy Spirit in these days that we're getting into because they're getting darker and darker and darker. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler. Pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So, turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. So Moses said to Joshua, choose some men, go out, fight with with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, fought with, with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and her went up to the top of the hill. So, so uh, Amalek is down on the bottom, fighting with Joshua, Moses, Aaron, and uh, her go up on the top of the hill. And as long as Moses had his hands up in the air with his rod, Joshua would win. But when he'd get tired and lowers his arm down, all of a sudden he saw the battle shift and Amalekite began to win against the children of Israel. And so Aaron would get on one side and hold one arm up. Hur would get on the other side and lift his arm up. Now, Joshua, we know who that is. In fact, Joshua is the one that replaced down below Joshua fighting the battle. Aaron, his brother, holding up one arm. Her holding the other. Now, what's really weird, we know who Aaron is, but we don't know who her is. Now, some people say, is her a she? No, her's a he. But here's what's weird. Sometimes God uses people you know, and sometimes God uses people you don't know. According to some Hebrew tradition, uh, her could have been Miriam's husband. Joshua's, or excuse me, Moses' sister's husband. But we don't know that for sure. So at this point, based upon the word of God, we have to just simply say, her's an unknown person. But God does that sometimes. God will use people you know to support you and help you. And sometimes it'll be people that actually no one else knows that will help you do what God wants you to do. And so it was, Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put under them, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and the people 
and the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this for memorial in a book and recount it. In the hearing of Joshua, I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalekite from the under heaven. And Moses built an altar called the name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war with Amalekite for, for generations and generations. A lot of interesting things here. You look at this. God was really angry at uh, Amalekite because of what he did. Why is that? Well, first, he was the first nation to attack Israel. Very possibly because of Esau knowing the promises of God that would be to Jacob... That could have been passed down in, in, in uh, Esau's generation saying, one of these days, Israel's going to come back into the land. It is theirs by promise. And so Amalekit being scared brought on the attack. Second thing we find is because of the area they're in, they're out of their way. They went out of their way to attack Israel. And the third, it says it was against God. Now, why would that be? Remember, Amalekite saw the pillar of fire, saw the cloud of smoke. He saw that. Just as the Egyptians saw all the hands of uh, miracles of God protecting the children of Israel, yet chose to attack them anyway, Amalekite, seeing these things, chose to attack Israel. Now, sometimes it's interesting how God answers our prayers. I pray sometimes and I say, God, I need you to do this. And I got it all figured out how God's going to do it. Well, first of all, then God's going to do this and then he's going to do this and then he's going to do this and then he's going to do this. And God comes along and you can't believe it, friends. He completely disregards my plan of attack. Why does he do that? I can interpret that saying, well, God, you didn't interpret my prayer because you didn't do it my way. What's the deal? Do you know what it is? Because when God answers prayer, he does things in such a broader scope than we know. When God arranges an issue in our life that requires the extreme focus of God's attention in our life. It is for a reason. We always think that it's about me, but it isn't. God sometimes arranges this to demonstrate his powers to others around us. Theoretically, we should know the power of God, but God does this. So people see the hand of God in your life. I'm looking for a quick fix. God's saying, I'm looking for a demonstration to prove to the world that I'm God. And he uses you and me, his children, as a vessel, as a, as a conduit that he flows through to express that. If it wasn't for you, people wouldn't see the hand of God at all. In your family, in your home, in your school, in your business, people see that. Do you realize that I've seen this so many times in my life? That God will preserve a business just because you're there as a Christian. You leave that business, it falls on its face. Why is that? 
Because God was showing not only you, as miserable as it might have been to be there, but when you left, it showed the boss, the other employees, hey, it's funny that when he left, our company crashed. Why is that? It's because God's anointing is in you. Do you realize where you go? Jesus said it like this, that the kingdom of heaven comes within you. A lot of people have twisted that, the cults have twisted that. But basically what Jesus is saying, where you go, a piece of heaven goes with you. He doesn't mean that this is all there is, uh, where, you know, the kingdom of God comes within you and there's no heaven in the sweet by and by or anything like that. No, no, they, they disregard the other verses about eternity. But he means that where you go, you bring an element of God. Now, that's going to be sweet as perfume to some, and it's going to be rottenness to others, pending on the posturing of their heart. And you've got to remember that. That's why some people will look at you and say, tell me more. And others will look at you and say, go away. Why is that? Because one, the softening of the heart, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in one individual. On the other hand, it can cause a hardening of the heart, rejection of God in the other. So what God does then, as he brings us about, as he uses us in this world, as he arranges the circumstances in our life that require a divine hand of God to intervene, it's to show not only us who he is, but it shows others around us who he is. I like to call it staying cool in the fire. You ever been in fire lately? You ever had the trials that come on you and you don't know what you're going to do next? Staying cool in the fire. Where is the coolness at? It's where Christ is at. But let me tell you something. The world sees God in you and it drives them crazy. Oh, it does. How is it that you can have peace in situations that would kill anybody else? Staying cool in the fire. They see the anointing of God in you. Now, they may not always know it's God, but they know there's something different about you. You talk to people that, especially uh, if you've got brothers and sisters, moms and dads, and you get saved, you're the only one saved in your home. Well, if you listen to them talk to the other uh, members of the family, oh, they got religion or something, and now they're always smiling. I don't know what's wrong with them. Why don't you just smoke dope like all the others? I actually had people tell me that's what their parents said. Well, why is that? Because they recognize something different about you. They may not always know what it is, but they see something different. I believe Amalekit saw the pillar of fire, the cloud of smoke, and said, I'm going to attack him anyway. Pharaoh's army saw the pillar of fire, saw the cloud of smoke, and said, I'm going to attack them anyway. And it cost them. They lost. The Amalekite, yep, he lost too. The thing you got to remember is that people see the anointing of God in your life, but they don't always know what it is. I believe that's where, as we share our faith, we explain what that is. 
Do you know, usually when God is working with somebody, you don't have to tell them that God exists because God's already been working in their life. All we are the ones handing out the invitation or the explanation of what they're seeing. God may be worked with that person for maybe 15 years and just waiting for you to come along and say, hey, you know what you need? You need Christ. Yeah, that's what I need. Because it all of a sudden connects. They then understand what the pillar of fire is or what the cloud of smoke is or the anointing of God in your life is. And they go, oh, I get it. You see, that's what's really cool about the way God works. He doesn't have cookie-cutter Christians, and he does it different and differently in every one of our lives. I think that's why we have such a variety of the power of God in the entirety of the Bible. How God used Moses, worked with Moses. How God used Elijah, worked with Elijah. And you'll find something. There's a similarity, but a complete difference in the way God deals with different ones of us. You look at the disciples of Jesus, for instance. Talk about a group of people with different personalities, different backgrounds. Matthew Levi, a tax collector, hated in general by the Jewish people. And you had James and John, sons of thunder, sons of Zebedee, that actually were revolutionaries against the Roman government. I imagine talks around the campfire were really different. Yeah, well, you're a traitor. You're a tax collector. Well, you're a revolutionary. You are, and I can imagine some of the things that I can just see Jesus going, ay, 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 ay. But we find that God changed them enough that those things of who they were didn't matter in what he was going to do in their life. Friends, that's so important. And see, people see that. And I believe that, as it says in the New Testament, as you get into the book of Acts, they said they knew they were unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus and changed all that. You see, that's neat. You become more like what you hang around with. If you hang around with a bunch of derelicts, you pick bad friends, don't be surprised, friends, if you end up going the wrong way. The Bible says, Proverbs warns us about the company that we keep, the friends that we keep. Now, I'm not saying we withdraw from the world, because surely if we did, the world would never know who Christ is. But when it comes to friendship, interpersonal relationships, I don't have anything to do with people of the world. You want to have that in Christ. To reach out to people, yes, we want to reach out to the world. We, we need to let our light shine. What good is it shine if it's under a bed or under a basket? It isn't going to do anything. But it's when we go for fellowship, we go to be built up, where we go where others recognize the anointing of God, the pillar of fire, the cloud of smoke in your life. That's what's important. Now again, some will say, wow, huh? big cloud of fire above your head. That's not something you see every day. What is that? Others will look at that and disdain it. Now, it's interesting, friends. Think about this for a minute, for some of you that are Bible students. Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, what appeared above the disciples' head? 
cloven tongues of fire above their head. Isn't it amazing that the pillar of fire that was above the disciples' head and the anointing of God in the Old Testament on the children of Israel was that of fire, that which was different, that which people could recognize. In fact, the Bible says that it was recognizable not by necessarily believers, but by everyone that came into the rush, the sound of the rushing mighty wind that attracted them. And they come in and saw those followers of Jesus all being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues and fire above their head. Wow, that's pretty amazing. They saw the anointing of God and you have that anointing of God. Remember that. Where you go, you make a difference. And a little piece of heaven goes where you go. Oh man, that's why the Bible says we're ambassadors. We we represent the kingdom of God. And oh God, forgive me, forgive all of us, Lord, when we have let you down and not represented you. Maybe I lost my cool and I cussed or I I, I said something I shouldn't have said or misrepresented you. God, forgive me. But God, see, wants us to represent him in a world that doesn't know him. To bring forth whatever need that is in my life that will affect their life. Again, remember, God's been working on them to manifest who he is to them through you. Wow. Now all of a sudden that changes something from my personal Christian experience when I accepted Christ to now Christians on parade. That's what you are. We're not saved to set. We're not saved to be silent. We're noisy little sunbeams. The Bible says we're the light of the world, salt of the earth. Well, I need to be salty. I need to be a light. What does that mean? Well, one thing that light does, exposes. And you know, I believe that uh, when you go where you go, I believe that exposure causes you to see things that normally would have been in the dark. We always think the light is for them to see, but I believe sometimes the light is for us to see the need in their life. See, the problem is oftentimes in our Christian experience, we become self-focused. This is one of the great problems I have with the positive confession movement. If you don't know what that is, I blab what I want. I just use faith words. I get my new refrigerator. I get uh, whatever I want. I just use faith words. I visualize that it's mine. The problem with that belief system in Christianity, it's centrally focused rather than Christ focused. There's a problem. Because it's when we look to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, that is what makes the difference. See, and the thing is, if I'm going to truly be salt and light, that means that as we go places, you're going to expose things, not for them so much, for you to see what the need is in their life. That's why you take a flashlight into your garage at night when you forgot to get something out of your garage. The flashlight, the wrench goes, you know, you're going in there with your flashlight. The wrench goes, I'm over here, I'm over here. No, it doesn't happen that way. The light is for you to find what what you've lost. And as you as light, we go into a world, we're going to be exposed to people who are lost. And that light, that wisdom, that heart that is in God helps us see what their need is. And you know, sometimes being a servant 
requires to say, what do you need in your life? What's the matter, honey? And I believe that really, saints, we're going to need to rely more and more and more on the Holy Spirit in these days that we're getting into because they're getting darker and darker and darker. Have you noticed that? Being about your daddy's business, so important. You see, Amalek attacked Israel, failed to interpret the data at hand, and God says, you attacked me. Notice it says, verse 16, because the Lord sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek. Isn't that weird? Not the children of Israel. God was angry at him. You see, you're God's representatives. You're the light of the world. As you go, let the Lord use you to illuminate those darkened corners. There's a lot of hurting people right now, friends. They're scared. Everybody knows the American news media is lying to us. They don't know where to go for truth. But God's word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. So we know what truth is. Do you realize today they did a survey? I think it was 93% of the people surveyed said, bing, bing, bing. There is no absolute truth. How sad. That's called relativism. That's what's inundated our colleges. That's a paradigm shift from 70 years ago where there was absolutes. Now, bad isn't all that bad. Good isn't all that good. It's just really how you look at it. And you wonder why we're in the world we're in when the Bible absolutely declares that there is absolutes. So if you know what God's word says, you're going to know truth. If you don't know what God's word says, you're going to believe the lies of the world. And that's the bottom line. So this morning, you're blessed if you're a child of God. Where you go, you bring that element of the light of Christ. If you're not a Christian here today, you're in darkness. Followers to it. You're living life your own way. You're not asking God, why did you put me on this earth? I want to do what you want me to do. I repent of that stupid way I've lived. And God says, now I'm going to make you a child of mine. And from this day on, I'm going to take care of you. That's what being a Christian is. Friends, that's what being a real Christian, and if you've been backslidden and you believe the lies of the world, I would just invite you to once again be that light that Jesus wants you to be in a lost and dying world. You see, the world sees the hand of God, but they can't decipher what it is. They see the fire, they see the smoke, but they don't know what it is. But you do. So be light, be salt. If you're not a Christian, you can change your course of your life here today, listening and accepting what Christ has done for you. We're going to pray. And if you want to get right with God, you pray this from your heart. God will do exactly as you ask him to do in Jesus' name. So if you need to get right with God, let's pray right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I'm sorry I have lived without you. I repent of my foolish ways. 
So from this day forward, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And now you live in me eternally as you rose from the dead. And so now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your business. Write my name in your book of life so I can spend eternity with you. And thank you, God, for all the things that you're going to do in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, welcome to God's family. You don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. We'll have a baptism, be in fellowship. You're going to grow in the Lord. That's what's important. And you're going to shine. And you want to be careful of your friends. Be careful of bad company. Because it'll take your heart away from God. Solomon warns this in the book of Proverbs. It isn't that the good rubs off on the bad. It's the bad rubs off on the good. Be careful of the company you keep. That's for all of us. Whether you've been a Christian a day, whether you've been a Christian for 40 years, be careful of the company you keep. There's nothing wrong with that. You just need eternal friends. Being about your daddy's business. If you don't have a Bible, like I say, I'll give you one. We got some DVDs and a couple little booklets that answer a lot of questions about your new Christian life. But letting God be God in your life is so important. For the rest of you, let your light shine. Again, you're going to bring life to those who are without. You're going to be about your father's business and realizing that this war with the flesh someday will be over, but this side of heaven, we just have to prepare for it. Let God bless you. Let God heal you. Let God restore you. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.